Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding. I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are continuing our look at the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to be uh, in Matthew 7. We're going to look at verses 21 to 23, probably, or all we're going to have time to cover today. Um, But that's okay, because it's important. It's probably the most haunting thing in the in the entire gospel to be honest with it this is one of those things that'll keep you up at night if you think about it very much it'll make you absolutely sick to think that this could possibly happen to you so not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven on that day many will say to me lord lord didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name and then will i declare to them i never knew you Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. How horrible. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine at the end of days looking at the Lord and saying, how can this possibly be? I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did mighty works in your name. And Jesus says those things are not the things that are actually important, that those things could be counterfeit. And and that's the thing to, that, that we should always pay attention to here is where this comes in the sermon, right? So what has come right before that? What was yesterday's whole thing about? And that was beware of false prophets. And so that's, that sounds exactly like what's coming here. But at the same time, I think that the thing to actually think about, because most of us are unlikely to be false prophets unless you set out to be. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably not setting out to be a false prophet. Probably not your goal in life. But but the reality is is that, that there are false prophets. There are false prophets among us today. There are false prophets all over the place. Um, and, and there are many who claim all these things, many who cast out demons in the name of Jesus. At least they, it seems that they are. I, I've just seen too much counterfeit in my life. You know, uh, when people claim certain kinds of things, it, it always sort of raises my antenna a little bit. Um, went to a thing... Oh my gosh, a long time ago now, 20 years at least, um, in Columbia, South Carolina, there was a church that had experienced revival and all this um, signs and wonders and crowds of people coming to that town and blah, blah, blah. And and it, it raised up a bunch of celebrities, right? So you got a, you got a celebrity worship leader, you got a celebrity pastor, and you got a celebrity evangelist as part of this. And I'm not saying these guys weren't genuine, but, but I will say this, so... By the, by the time I saw it, it had been going on for a little while, and, and I guess the crowds had waned in the local church, and so they took the thing on the road. And, and so the schedule was it was going to be in a very large um, facility in Columbia. We got there only to find that um, actually it wasn't going to be there. It had been moved across the street to um, a meeting room at a Holiday Inn. So we went to the Holiday Inn, we go in, and in order to get to the, to the seats, we had, to, we had to literally squeeze past the tables where merchandise was being sold. Um, and then every single speaker, including the evangelist who spoke first, first thing he did was tell people there, he says, pastors, I want you to know something, stop pushing people down when you pray for them. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, that phenomenon where... Um, People are being prayed for, and they will do, they will go down in the spirit. They call that being slain in the spirit. I've seen it multiple times, um, it, and I've seen it legitimately. 
So this guy, he started off well in my mind by warning us uh, not to push people down at the church that I was in in Paul's Island. When we prayed for people, we didn't touch them, and we didn't do that here either. Um, that that was just part of the the thing. Nobody was ever going to accuse us of that, but also nobody was ever going to be accused of, of touching somebody in, a, in an inappropriate way. So it, that that was just the way that, that I was taught and the way that it worked, and it worked fine that way. So continued to do it here. Uh, but at, at any rate, so he does that, and then he talks, and then um, he begins suddenly to talk about the Founding Fathers and that he had seen a, uh, a painting one time of the Founding Fathers at prayer, and, and he talked to his uh, antique dealer and said, I, I don't care what it costs, I want you to get me that. And he said, so I got it. And I'm already thinking, unless you were independently wealthy, we're just where does money come from, right, um, that you can get a portrait of the Founding Fathers at Prayer that he had seen, by the way, in the National Archives. And uh, so he gets this thing, and then he turned it into prints, which were for sale in the back of the room because his goal was to get them in all the um, classrooms in America, and, and he felt like you could do that because it was the Founding Fathers. Um so he, he implored us to go, you know, at the end of his speech, to go back at the back and get this. And then the pastor spoke, and he's, he's kind of finished his time and said, if you want to know more about this, here's the series for this and this. Now, the, the worship leader um, came up. He held up some CDs. He said, these things are for sale over here. They told me I had to do that. And then he laid them down, and he spoke. And so I appreciated the honesty of that. You could tell that he was really uncomfortable pushing product. Well, this continued on and on. The whole thing was a mess in my mind because that night they had a big healing thing. And, I, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I saw. So before it started, I'm sitting there with my buddy who had gone with me. We're sitting kind of in the mezzanine sort of an area. So above the floor at that next level, but not in the bleacher. So we're pretty close. Um, and we, we were at what would be mid court if you were looking at a basketball court. Um, so my buddy said, look at the, look at those people over there. It was a bunch of young people and they were in the back. This is before everything started. I mean, the place is probably at this point, you know, a, a quarter full maybe. So these young people are jerking around kind of spasmodically. I mean, it was odd. They were jerking around and I don't know how to describe it any better than that, but just acting weird. And somebody was filming them. Okay. So after the thing ended, I, I, I was already offended by what they did with collections. Uh, they brought a, an accountant out and told us how much this whole thing cost and everything. Well, I had paid to be there. I really didn't care what it cost them. Um, so they, they'd go through all that and then to show that they have a, a great need, well, that, that meant you overestimated your appeal. So they anyway, we go through all that. Well, at the end of, of the speech, the, the talk that night, the guy said, now I want everybody to clear the floor because we're going to pray for everybody on the floor. So everybody moved back from the center here so we can get down and pray with people. So they did. Well, then I looked and stage left, which would have been opposite us, the, those same young people were there acting in the same way, exactly the same way. Cameras were still on them. So as soon as the team came down to pray for the people, they went directly to those people, and it immediately changed. As soon as they prayed for them, they were perfectly fine. Well, I'd like to know why they were filming them beforehand and then why they filmed them afterwards. And I assume they probably got, quote, testimony from them about the healing that had happened. But I saw the whole thing, and so did my buddy. And then um, 
so they did the prayer thing. I'm already thinking this is, I, I don't want to be here anymore. So they did the prayer thing, and then um, a friend of mine, ours, came up, and, and I said, did you go down for prayer? And she said, yeah. And I said, so how did it go? And she said, I had to tell the guy to stop, stop trying to push me down. It, so it, that's that was another brush with false prophets without any question in my mind. The, those people had, had become, at least, I don't know about originally, but because but in the beginning, people were being drawn there and people were being healed and all that. So good stuff was happening. But then along the way, they seem to have lost the way, and it became about ginning something up. And then, like I said, I, I was horribly disillusioned by this. I had, um, I had already come to that place. Well, the next day there was more meetings and stuff. Well, late in the day there was supposed to be a healing time where they were going to pray for us if we wanted it. And so the guy that finished it said, "You know what we've decided is is that um, we're not we're going we're to postpone that. We're not going to do that today. What we'd like you to do is take these flyers out and put them under the." windshield wipers of cars around here to tell them about the thing tonight my buddy and i looked at each other and said you ready to go home i said yep and so did most other people everybody we knew said i'm going back to Pauly's island i've had enough of this so it, it but it has to do with having the discernment of not following a false prophet it, it has to do with lord show me the truth about this so that i'll know what to do because i don't want to get caught up in dealing with false prophets, I don't. I don't want to be led astray, and, and we all can be. The biggest antidotes to that, in my mind, are are uh, regular attendance, um, prayer, and most of all, being in the Word of God. Being in the Word of God, and, and so I'm thankful you're here. Um, I, I, I'm doing my best to not be a false prophet. I'm doing my best to to teach you what I believe the Lord shows me when I see these things because I have a, a burning concern because I've seen friends get duped and pulled into these things. Um, I, I've had several friends who got sucked into um, different things, and, and it all typically came because there was something they were upset about with the local church. There, there was something that they felt the church should be doing that it wasn't, something the church was doing they didn't think it should be, the focus of the local church, the ministry of the local church, wasn't where they thought it should be. They thought we were neglecting something important, um, and, and they had a burning in their soul, and so they began to follow this thing, and then they ended up in a bad place. Fortunately, um, all of them that, that I'm aware of kind of came back from that. Um, the Lord doesn't lead us out of fellowship with everybody. You know, that's just not the way it works. And so it, then you get pulled off into this cult thing. And so I've seen this thing about, didn't we cast out demons and prophesy in your name and heal people and all that? I've seen it. I, I know exactly what this looks like when it's counterfeited. I've seen it in a good way as well. But I, but I know what it looks like when it's counterfeited. And, and we have to keep our eyes open all the time. We can't just trust people blindly we, we need to always be discerning we need to take our time forming an opinion we need not to get sucked in because people have got to been sucked in time and time and time again by charlatans and i hate that i absolutely despise it i mean i think back to the 70s and 80s and jim and tammy faye baker and and jerry uh falwell not falwell sorry sorry, sorry jimmy swagger um, and all these other people I, i'm not picking on falwell i'm not going to go there because I, I don't know anything about him. I'm talking about people who had spectacular falls, Mark Driscoll out at Mars Hill, all these people. And so what happens is is that, that good people get taken in by these things, and, and they, they end up 
given money to him and everything else. And so what does Jesus say, though? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Who will enter the kingdom of heaven? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, there you go. So it's not about the show. It's not about prophesying and casting out demons and mighty works and all that. No, it's obedience. It's obedience to the Father, doing the will of the Father. And, and, and that is more important, Jesus says, than doing all these things. And, and his statement here presumes there will be things done in his name. There will be prophecies in his name. There will be demons cast out. There will be mighty works in his name. That's an expectation that that will happen. He's not, he's not throwing off on that and saying everybody who does this is wrong. No, what he's saying is, is that, that who you are, the way you live, all that needs to match that. Those two things need to go together because they can be counterfeited. And you can do that by the power of a demon. So it, it's a, a frightening thing to think you can be there. But the best antidote is just obedience. Well, here's the thing. You've got to know what obedience is. You've got to know what the will of the Father is in order to do the will of the Father. And so that's exactly what Jesus says. So in order to know that and to do that, we need to be in communion with other Christians. We need to be in prayer and we need to be in the Word of God. And if we do those things, then we're safeguarding ourselves against being led astray. And if you're ever in a place where you can't say, this is the way I understand this, if that's not ever allowed, if nobody's ever allowed to push back, if nobody's ever allowed to question the leader, then you probably are going to need to go somewhere else because we're all, we're all fallible. Right. I mean, there's nobody among us who is infallible. And so it, it becomes, are we, what are we worshiping? Right. Are we worshiping Jesus or are we worshiping that pastor slash healer slash whatever prophet, whatever it is? So the, the, the biggest check on that is what's the what's the worship directed to? Is it is it is it Christ centered? Is it Christ focused? Is the cross always made available and made plain? It's one of the things that I love about um, Anglican worship, particularly in the liturgy, is is that the cross is always going to be, as long as you're doing the liturgy, as long as you're working through the Book of Common Prayer service, you're going to be, you, the cross is, is going to be right there in the center. The, everything points to the cross, everything points to communion. And that, to me, is important. We've got two big confessions, right? We have first the confession of sin and the, and the confession of, of um, God the Father in the creed. And so we get those things there, and that those should act as a check on the rest of it. It doesn't in a lot of cases. That's what happened in the Episcopal Church. It just went completely bonkers and lost its mind. It, it can't affirm that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and no man comes to the Father but by him. I've heard the craziest things concerning that. But Jesus doesn't leave open a path to other ways. Jesus says, you know, enter the narrow gate. He, he seems to point to exactly one way, to the Father. And, and so what we can't allow ourselves to do is get caught up in the show, get caught up in the, in the thing that looks like there's works of power and all that going. We need to ultimately come back and make sure that the message is very, very clear that the only healer is God. It's through the power of him, power of the Holy Spirit, the, in the proclamation of Jesus needs to attend all those things. At the end of the day, he needs to be the one who gets the glory. And so as, uh, if you're not a pastor, then be, be careful about who you follow and who you listen to. Uh, make sure they're solid in the Word of God. And then the second thing is if you're a pastor, then, then just stay in prayer and stay in the Word. 
don't ever get caught up in whatever God's doing through you. I heard Terry Fulham, who was sort of the granddaddy of the charismatics in um, the Anglican slash Episcopal world, I heard him say one time, nobody has a healing ministry, only God has a healing ministry. What what men and women can have is some. this is a person through whom God sometimes works to heal people. But nobody has a healing ministry of their own. That That's always completely up to God. And so th- there's a humility that has to come in in all this that, that understands at the end of the day, this is, this is about Jesus. And it's period, end of sentence, about Jesus. And so we just need to make sure and check ourselves that we're being obedient to the Word of God and the Spirit of God in all things. And if we are, if we can say that about ourselves, if we, if we don't look at ourselves and find this gross sin in us and all that uh, that we're reveling in, then, then we, can, we can see clearly then who we're following and we can have confidence before him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.